And welcome back in Stripe Show Podcast. I'm your host, Travis Fulton. Thank you for making us part of your day. Hope you had a, a great weekend as we push along here. Bermuda Championship. Beautiful golf course. I enjoyed that. You guys will come back to Houston. And then, of course, uh, we get the big treat, the Masters in November. And, you know, I sat there and I watched that tournament. 26-year-old Wyndham Clark coming down the stretch. Going to get that first PGA Tour win, but... It just continues the wraparound season, all kinds of surprises. And Brian Gay, I'm going to go ahead and say, is the biggest surprise of the year, 48 years of age. And he gets his fifth win on the PGA Tour. And I thought to myself, I need some help to break this down. You've been doing this a long time, John. You've been at uh, PGA Tour Entertainment since 1995. Brian Gay has been on the PGA Tour for 20-plus years. I mean, he has had his card for 20-plus years. And that is remarkable considering how many players this, you know, kind of flips over, right? You see a lot of guys, they're out there, and then they leave, they lose their car, but not Brian Gay. Got his fifth win on the PGA Tour. Let me read these stats so far this year. Now, of course, limited sample size, I get it, but there's a couple of tournaments that he's played in already. Strokes gain off the tee, 158. Strokes gain approach, 263. Strokes gain around the green, 226. Strokes gained putting, 217. Strokes gained tee to green, 256. <laughs> I mean, this is just unbelievable. <laughs> I don't even guy, know it went down that far. This guy just won a PGA Tour event with those stats coming in. How, how, do, you, how do you break that down? It's a hard one to get your head around, isn't it? And I think it's even more surprising than some of the surprising winners we've seen already this season. Sergio Garcia um, in Jackson, Mississippi. Sanderson, world-class player. It was only going to be a matter of time before one again uh Stuart sink uh, quenching an 11-year victory drought safely open his swing since the open championship in 2009 but brian gay as you mentioned for 20 years has seen the game and the competitive landscape of the game completely shift mm-hmm. away from players like brian gay and each year the amount of tournaments on the schedule where a guy like brian gay can legitimately feel like he has a realistic chance of hanging in there diminishes every year. I mean, it's only a handful of them. Um, he did finish third at Bermuda last year. So for whatever reason, that golf course just fits for him. And I, on one hand, Travis, I say to you, man, it's just kind of out of, out of nowhere that a guy would do this with no form coming in. And yet we see that a lot, don't we? I mean, yeah. we see guys miss six, seven cuts in a row and then uh, turn the trick and win, which tells us that they're a lot closer to finding that winning form than it appears just from the numbers. Yeah, I mean, I think it just kind of speaks to how hard it is to win on the PGA Tour. We hear that a lot, but the real examples are this, because, what is there, eight events so far in this this mm-hmm. season, and I think four of them have been won by players outside the top 300 in the world. And it's remarkable when you're looking at this stuff. I like to play fantasy golf. I like to put a little money down, and, you know, you're, you're trying to handicap this. And, you know, I had mm-hmm. Wyndham Clark coming in who – struggled post-COVID, but he started to show some signs there at Shriners. I was like, you know, I I think he'll be there, and he was, but there's no way. I mean, Brian Gay, you mentioned Bermuda, finished third um, last year. Since that event, he's played 19 times. He's made the cut four times. You know, just, and and he even admitted coming in, I've been playing awful, and we just read off the stats, and yet here he shows up, catches fire with his putter, which is his go-to, and, um, you know, he, he knows how to win. He gets in there. So let's talk about Wyndham Clark. No, this is a player, 26 years old, was playing pretty darn good, really, before COVID. 
And then, of course, the break, and he came back, mm -hmm. and I think he had a hard time getting his feet back underneath him. I think it might be fair to say he's underachieved a little bit with his talent because he does – he is that long ball hitter. He hits at 320 um, where the tour is going, of course, and that's a huge advantage when you're hitting at 35 to 40 yards past a player like Brian Gay. He switched teachers, and I think it's boded well for him. He's working with Boyd Summerhays who also works with Tony Fee now. I think when I watch Wyndham Clark, John, I see a player starting to be a little more instinctive, a little more athletic on the golf course, and a little less mm -hmm. technical. What do you see? Yeah, that's the balance that, that tour players, I think, are, are striving for. And um, boy, it's hard to label somebody an, an underachiever. And so much of that perception of players is sort of uh, crafted by their collegiate uh, success. And this was a guy who, two different schools, Yep. Oklahoma State and University of Oregon was the conference player of the year in the Big 12 and the Pac-12 uh, as well. And he, as you described, very much fits the prototypical PGA Tour profile. He's got uh, he's got it all. What he doesn't have is maybe the confidence and belief to close the deal. You know, I, it's funny. I just um, I just did a virtual chat with Webb Simpson this morning, and I asked him about his first victory, which was in Greensboro at the Wyndham Championship in 2011. He had come close a couple times prior to that. In fact, he bogeyed the 72nd hole at the Valspar uh, to lose. And he said, guys will learn from those experiences, those tough losses, and it will benefit them uh, in the future. So once the, the Wyndham Clark gets over the sting of not letting this one come to him, you know, he did let it get away. There's no other way to look at it. Yeah. Once he gets past that, he can build on what went wrong and try and rectify that next time he's in this position. Yeah, I think he's moving in the right direction. I've followed his career. You look at back him early in the year before COVID. I mean, he goes 18 at AT&T, 17th in Genesis, 11th at Honda. You know, he's playing good golf. And and then it, you know, the COVID hit. He had a stretch there where he missed six straight cuts. And he comes back, you know, missed a cut at the Safeway, 66 at Sanders, 13th at the Shriners, and now, of course, second at Bermuda. He's in the field next week. It's the uh, the Vivint Houston Open field, and uh, and somehow the Houston Open has found its way back in front of the Masters. I'm excited for this event. I, mm. I think it's a good field, John. I mean, you've got Brian Gay is there, Wyndham Clark is there, but you've got Phil, DJ, Brooks Kepka, Adam Scott, Jordan Spieth. I'm excited about this, and in particularly on this golf course, Memorial Park. It's a muni. It's forty dollars to play. You and I can play it. Um, I mean, this is. I kind of like this. I like when the tour goes to places like this. Yeah, it's a nice fit, isn't it? It looks like a great old track. It's a Tom Doak uh, design municipal uh, golf course, and uh, uh, Vivint steps in as a title sponsor this week, and Houston mm -hmm. slips in right in front of the Masters again, and that has attracted a lot of guys who like to have competitive reps in tournament play the week before. Uh, a major championship. Tiger has never been that guy. 20 years, he's never played the week before the Masters, as we know. Phil likes to play uh, mm -hmm. the week before, so we will see him in the field here this week. I don't I don't think uh, the golf course, as it sets up, is going to sort of mirror the characteristics of Augusta National like uh, the course they, they played in the last few years. But nonetheless, uh, it'll be of great benefit to this uh, this field here this week. Yeah, it's going to be a great stretch, too, down or closing stretch, I should say. Let's see, the last six holes, there's two drivable par fours, it appears. There's two reachable par fives. There's a really short par three, and then the finishing hole is brutal. So I think... I think they've really thought this through, and um, I think we're going to see some fireworks down the stretch with some eagles, 
and then this really brutal finishing uh, 18th hole. Dustin Johnson's in the field post-COVID. Mm-hmm. He looks like he's healthy. Under the radar, I think, a little bit. This guy, to me, it looks like he's figured out how to play Augusta for him. Finished second last year. What do you think of DJ here coming in Houston and then the Masters? What do you expect? Um, I don't know if Dustin Johnson's ever under the radar. Uh, <laughs> I think he's one or two in the world right now. Well, I, yeah, post, he, he, he just had, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because he hasn't, he hasn't played very often, so right. he's kind of off of our radar, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, look, uh, there's a handful of guys who are the odds-on favorites or on a short list of favorites to win, no matter what the golf course is, and that says a lot about the complete nature of, uh, of Dustin Johnson's game. And as long as he's healthy, and by all accounts, it seems like uh, he is, and I'm sure he's itching to get back to play. So maybe he'll knock a little rust off this week. Don't know how well he's going to play, but um, I think certainly, if not this week in Houston, next week in Augusta, he will be ready to go. Everything feels under the radar when it comes to just the discussion that is Bryson DeChambeau. I mean, he's just dominated the conversation. Never thought, you know, Tiger forever, right? He is the needle. But, you know, Tiger has been absent this year what he's played he's been irrelevant and you know with Bryson and his Bryson who he is right and the way he plays the game and who he is off the off the course and good or bad you love or hate him he's polarizing he's interesting I'm fascinated and I can't wait to see what he's gonna do at Augusta what I mean what do you expect he has converted a lot of uh believers hasn't he yeah and most importantly uh among the guys on on the PGA Tour. It doesn't matter what uh, most of us think, but he has caused everybody else to step up and, you know, kind of take notice of his approach. And I don't think it can even be considered um, unorthodox anymore because it's, who are we to doubt his his methods because they've worked on uh, on every front. And, and what he's doing um, works for him, but it may not work for everybody. But I think, um, you know, Certainly, it is having a ripple effect on causing guys, Travis, to at least consider a different approach. And the consideration has to be strong because this is clearly the direction of the game right now. Uh, and if you're not on board in some capacity, then you're going to get left behind. Well, Brian Gay did it. I mean, I mean, Brian Gay yeah. is not a long hitter, but he's longer now. And he's worked with his instructor, Joe, Joseph Mayo, who I know well. And Joe talked him into, hey, you got to get longer if we're going to if you're going to compete on more venues and uh, he did, you know, he, he got a little bit longer and he's, you know, I mean, he's not Wyndham Clark long. He's not Bryson DeChambeau long, but he's definitely gotten longer. So there's guys all the way down to Brian Gay, Russell Knox, um, who's a local guy works with um, Jerry James is a, mm-hmm. um, I'm drawing a blank on his uh, first name. Anyway, the long drive guy, he works with him and, uh, and has gotten Art longer. Selinger? No, uh, Jerry James. Yeah, he oh, works. Jerry with, James. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So he works he he works with him on just speed. And in you know, these are guys that are down the list, right? You don't think about as long hitters, but the impact is real. We see Rory trying to post ball speeds of 190. Mm. We see DJ swinging, you know, out of his shoes, getting over 190. So it is. This is the direction of the game. Um it's where it's going. Jordan Spieth tried to chase some distance, it didn't pan out. You're with a lot of analysts in the game. You do PGA Tour Live. And, you know, Billy Kratzer sitting next to you. Craig Pertz sitting next to you. Mark Immelman sitting next to you. 
and you're hearing all this stuff and, and analysis about George Speed as you've taken it all in, where have you landed like with Jordan on perhaps what you think he needs to do moving forward? Because we're, we're, we're pushing three years here now, Swanee. Let's take a second to talk about the guys and girls over at Encore Golf. Encore has earned a reputation of having the most cutting-edge technology in their golf balls that the industry has seen in quite some time. Their team in Buffalo, New York, is changing the script of golf technology through the perimeter-weighted designs. Use of high-density particles and even a nano-transitional layer in their latest creation, which offers players enhanced accuracy and control for every shot on the course and extreme velocity off the tee. They already have their award-winning Elixir and Avant 55 golf balls, but the new Vero X1 is the highest performance ball to date with their full suit of golf balls. They are transforming the game for players of all skill levels. Visit EncoreGolf.com slash Travis Fulton for more details about their products that are revolutionizing the game. Now back to the Stripe Show podcast. I don't listen to any of those guys that you just mentioned, okay. by the yeah, way. I, well, just, I just thought I'd tee it up that way. <laughs> it's just white noise. I don't even hear what <laughs> No, I'm kidding. I mean, I'm very fortunate to work alongside some very accomplished players and, and PGA Tour champions, the guys that uh, you mentioned. Uh, I think you used the term uh, instinctive or reactive earlier in our in our conversation. And from what I gather from all of these respected analysts that I've worked with, um, more than anything technical that needs to be adjusted in Spieth's game, he just kind of needs to get outside of his head. That's what I'm sensing from people that uh, whose opinions I, I really value. And he just needs to be more reactive and more instinctive and more athletic. I don't know how you arrive at that place or in that space, Trav. I mean, you could speak to that as an instructor. I mean, once you have won at the level that Spieth has and accomplished so much and you've dropped off relatively this far, how do you regain the confidence that you've lost? Because we're talking about a, you know, certainly there's some there's some swing flaws, uh, swing flaws, I suppose that you could identify. But more than anything, just from my cheap seat, it's a bruised confidence level mm. and it's a bruised psyche right now. Uh, how do you repair that? I don't know. I mean, I don't know, man. You go back to playing golf like when you were a kid and you just didn't didn't care. The game's only hard when you care, right? And when you try really hard. How do you try less hard? I know that sounds silly, but I think it's an important component uh, in being comfortable at the highest level of the game. And above all, Jordan just doesn't look comfortable, doesn't he? He has a stretch of a few good holes, maybe a day here or there, but he hasn't put four really productive rounds together in a long, long time. Yeah, it's tough to watch, you know, and it still feels like where he hits it off the tee, he still somehow shoots. It feels like the best score he can shoot because he can still grind and, you know, and play the game, but you're right. I mean, mm -hmm. With the driver in his hand, man, he's just, you know, he's hitting way too many foul balls. Another guy in the field this week, Houston, is Francisco Molinari. Ever since he hit that shot in the water, um, Swanee, on 12 at Augusta, he's disappeared from the radar. And up to that point, you know, he won the Arnold Palmer, and he didn't look like he was going to miss a shot, you know, for, <laughs> I mean, every time he played, I don't think, I mean, he didn't miss a shot for months on in. And then he, the water hits it on 12. It goes in. Tiger wins, of course. And we have not heard from him. What, what have you heard from Francisco and what's going on there? Have you, you got anything? 12 at Augusta will conjure up some ghosts, won't it? We just, <laughs> talked, about, we just talked about Jordan Spieth. I mean, you could draw the parallel yeah. between oh, Spieth yeah. and, uh, and Molinari and how they're 
the the arc, the trajectory of their careers uh, has sort of shifted since uh, since those those fateful moments. Um, yeah, to to stare down Tiger Woods in a major championship as he did at the Open at uh, at at Carnoustie, you would think would produce a uh, a level of belief and trust in what you're doing that would never disintegrate or dissolve. I mean, you stare down Tiger Woods in a major and you snatch the claret jug, you think. I'm never going to hit another bad shot in my life, you know, and I, I'm going to know what to do in tight spots and in big moments uh, under the white hot lights. Um, but I don't know what to to make of where his game is at right now. Like a lot of guys, the the pandemic, the shutdown of the season, Trav, it affected guys differently, especially the international players. And I can't really imagine what it was that they were going through trying to fit the pieces of their schedule together and try and manage things that were happening in their family life and trying to put travel together and trying to to remain competitively sharp, uh, because obviously that has all sort of slipped through the grasp, it seems, of, of Francesco. But he's a world-class player, and you... I mean, you just never know. He may be feeling great coming into this week, uh, but we won't know until we see him on the golf course. Yeah, it's uh, man, you're right. Twelve, right? There's the parallel um, mm. at Augusta. One of the great par threes. Can't wait to see that here in November. The forecast looks good. Yeah. What's, what's Tiger going to do? He's the defending champ. What do you? Uh, I mean, it's just hard to. He, it's hard to put your arms around, isn't it, with him? It is. Um, you know, people have asked me, boy, do you think his his win last uh, April? Well, it's 18 months ago now. Was it uh, was it a curtain call at the time? It certainly didn't feel like it. You know, when he won, you felt like, OK, we we may see this another another few times. Um, but that's uh, well, that seems like a long time from now, doesn't it? As we point to uh, next week. Look, we would be foolish to ever doubt him or to ever think that um, he's not going to be a factor at Augusta. But I don't think it's the kind of course, Travis, where you could sort of play your way into form. Woods is a little yeah. different. I understand. And he's he is uh, he is rare in that regard, a truly special in that regard. He could find the magic just on muscle memory alone but it's an awfully hard golf course to kind of play your way into form especially a different time of year so it's a really a wild card in my eyes yeah all right last question i know you got to go you got give me two names going into two names for the masters one that we're thinking of maybe one that eh, you know i kind of like this guy we, we, we've heard of him right we're thinking of him but you know what i'm saying down the down the list a little um well, one name we're thinking of is is Rory, obviously. Yeah. And it's uh, it's kind of cool to think that maybe it happens in November yeah. <laughs> instead of April. You know what I mean? It's, mm -hmm. just, it's just the weird timing of when the Masters is being staged. If for whatever reason, almost intangibly, if that uh, sort of relieves the valve of pressure a little bit for Rory trying to capture the career Grand Slam. Uh, oh boy, yeah. I should have been ready. <laughs> I should have been ready for this. Well, Give me a name no. you're thinking of, and then we. What do you think? Well, I mean, you know, like, I mean, Dustin for me is is where I'm going. I mean, I, I think Dustin kind of started to figure some things out last year. And I wouldn't be surprised to see a player like a Scotty Scheffler continue to roll. Ooh. You know, I mean, Scotty Scheffler's just playing some great golf. And I know that's a bit of a stretch. I get it. But down the list, if I had to throw someone in there, I think a Scheffler is a kind of player. What do you think? Yeah, I like that. Um, he's really impressive, by the way. I know he won twice and was Corn Ferry Tour Player of the Year, but um, you never know how that's going to translate to 
the PGA Tour. But to to win Rookie of the Year honors yeah. and be voted on uh, yep. be Rookie of the Year by your peers without winning, with Victor Hovland having won a tournament, uh, that says a lot about the body of work that Scotty Scheffler put together last year, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. I mean, he's he's um he he's impressive. I mean, he really is. He just looks like he belongs out there, like he's a seasoned veteran. You're a vet just walking down mm. the fairways in his big long stride, like you know, <laughs> like he's been doing it forever. All right, so one of your best calls ever. I don't know if you remember this, but when PGA Tour Live started, I can't remember exactly the year, and I used to work there at the World Golf Village. I'd come over, sit, do call a couple shots, and we do the tip. Remember that little putting green? Yeah, I used to have. I've tri- yeah, I tripped over it more than a few times. I remember it well. <laughs> well. I mean, I mean, the putting green was like I could barely stand on it. It was so small, yeah. and the hole. It was like a eight degree slope straight downhill. Yeah. And you were sitting there with Kratzer, and you go, "All right, let's send it over Travis," and he's got something on. It was Brian Gay, and on Brian Gay is a great putter, and I did a tip, and I remember it was like one of my first ones. Like my face was like white. I was like suffocating, <laughs> and I and I hit the putt, and I hit the putt. And it rolled off the the green, <laughs> and the ball was bouncing. You could just hear it echoing in our earpiece. And you go, and you go, ooh, never, never good when the ball rolls that far. <laughs> I do remember it well. Uh, I'm sorry that happened. Oh but, man, uh, just selfishly for my entertainment value, I'm glad of that. Ah, that was good. That was good. Well, hey, Swanee, I know you're busy. Thank you for jumping on. Um, have a great week. Go Dolphins! Thank you for beating the Rams, and now I need you to go. Uh, you play the—I think you play—you uh, play the—you play the Cardinals next week in Arizona. Yeah, so, on the road against Arizona. Yeah, we got seven teams making the playoffs, so uh, you know, nine and seven may do it. We'll see. Just keep this thing rolling one more week. That would be really nice. And I'll and I'll go take care of the Bills for you. How's that? Seattle's in Buffalo. Sounds good. Thanks, All right, buddy. Guys. Thanks, Bonnie.